We learned at the end of the first parak that although in general one is allowed to separate challah from one dough on behalf of another dough as well, as long as you separate enough of the dough so it covers both of the doughs. Nevertheless, we learned that if one of the doughs is tohar and one is tomei, then you cannot separate from one on behalf of the other. And the reason for this is because when one does separate from one pile of produce or one dough on behalf of another, they need to be very close to each other. That's known as minhamukov, and we're concerned that since one of the doughs is tome and the other one is tahar, he won't want to bring them close to each other, and they'll end up separating tchala, let's say, from the pure one on behalf of the impure one, but the impure one will be near it, and say so they would have violated the halacha of minhamukov, that both doughs need to be close to each other when tchala is being separated from one on behalf of the other. Rebbe Yezer and our Mishnah will argue with that Mishnah. Rebbe Yezer, remember Yezer says, Nitelis min atara la tomei, Chalo can be separated from a tahar dough on behalf of a tomei dough. Rebbe Yezer is not concerned that you'll come to separate the Chalo Shalom in Amukov, when the tomei one is not near the tahar one. And this is because Kate said, how would it be separated? You've got a pure piece of dough and an impure piece of dough. And just like in a regular case, you would take the amount which has to be separated as chala from both of the doughs, you would take that from the pure dough from which chala has not yet been separated. And here's the point, and you put another piece of dough, so a third piece of dough, which is smaller than the size of an egg, you put that in the middle of the toha and the tome dough. So the tome dough is touching this dough on, the, on one side, and the tahar dough is touching it on the other side. So that means that they are certainly minamukov now. And the reason why the middle piece of dough has to be smaller than the size of an egg is because in order for food to make other things tome, it has to be the size of an egg. Now the tome dough is touching this piece of dough in the middle, which means that it makes the piece of dough tome. Now if that middle piece of dough was the size of an egg, then it would transmit its tumor from itself onto the tahar dough. And that's certainly not an outcome which we would like. And therefore we make sure that the middle piece of dough is smaller than a kibetza, smaller than the size of an egg, so that the tahar dough does not become tomei. And this way, this is an order that you do separate the khala from the tahar dough on behalf of the tomei dough, and you do it you do it when they are close to each other, in fact right next to each other. Nevertheless, the Mishnah ends off by telling us that the Chachom Eisrim, the Chachom still forbid it, since they are still concerned that people won't follow this whole procedure, because they'll be afraid of the Tomei one touching the Tahar one. So people will still end up not separating it in Amukov, and therefore according to the Chachomim, you should just separate Chala from the Tahar one by itself, and the Tomido by itself separately. Just like with regards to tithes, produce only becomes obligated once its processing has been completed. For example, once it's all been piled up, or once fruit has been dried properly. The same applies to dough and chala. It only becomes obligated in chala once it's turned into proper dough. And so with the one can eat however much he likes from the flour and from the dough until it has been kneaded properly. Now with Jabon, one can't have a proper meal which is set and fixed from the dough even before it's needed, because if you do that, then you're likely to come to make the dough smaller than the minimum size to be obligated in challah, and you'll end up not separating challah because of that. And so with Jabonon, you can only eat the dough as a sort of snack. Uchlen arai. One can eat it in a temporary manner, mino isa from the dough, until it has been kneaded very well, if the dough is made out of wheat. Dough made out of wheat, as soon as you've kneaded it properly, it turns into one solid dough, and that is considered the completion of its processing into dough, and as such, will be obligated in challah. 
Now, when it comes to other grains, the dough doesn't solidify and the flour doesn't stick to each other as quickly or easily, and therefore it's only considered properly turned into dough and kneaded once you press it very hard. So even after you knead the flour and the water together, you would continue pressing very hard on the dough until it does stick together better. And that is known as timtum, so if it's a tamtim basairim, once you've done that, you've pressed the dough very hard, if the dough is made out of barley or another grain, other than wheat, so that is when it's considered proper dough, and as such will be obligated in challah. And from that point onwards, Gilglob once he has kneaded it properly with regards to wheat, with Timtum Mabasairim, and he's pressed the dough if it's made out of barley, then Ha'ichamimena, somebody who eats part of that dough, even as a snack, Chayv Misa, is liable to the death penalty from Hashem. Hashem will deliver the death penalty, because that is considered to be Tevel, which is the name for produce or dough from which all the gifts have not been separated, and the punishment for eating that is Misa. Now, although Medoraisa, the real time to separate the challah from the dough, is only once it's kneaded properly, that's when it becomes a literal obligation. However, one is also able to separate it as soon as the water is added to the flour and mixed together, even if it hasn't yet been kneaded. So it's not all one solid dough and one piece, but most of the flour is mixed with the water. Now with Jabonon, this is actually the ideal time to separate the challah. The reason being that if you wait longer until it's kneaded, that means you're giving it more time for it to become tome possibly. You're making it more likely that the challah will be tome, and so it will have to be burnt. And therefore, says the Mishnah, Kivan Shinasin Samayim, as soon as she adds the water to the flour, and she started mixing the water and the flour, Magbas Chalosa, she should separate the challah at that point, to avoid any chance of the challah becoming tome the dough becoming tome, and then therefore the challah. But the Mishnah does say, as long as there is not at least five leg of flour which hasn't yet been mixed with the water. Because since five leg is the minimum amount for it to be obligated in challah, so if there's that amount of flour which hasn't yet been mixed with the water, then it's considered totally separate from that which has been mixed with the water because that's considered a very significant amount. So for the challah to cover you, for the whole dough, to exempt the whole dough, you have to make sure that it has been mixed with the flour, at least somewhat. So as soon as there is less than five leg of flour, which hasn't been mixed with the water, the challah should be separated so that there is no chance of the dough becoming tome before the challah is separated. Mishnah Beitz, a maduma is a mixture of trumah challah, mixed with chulin when there is not at least a hundred times more chulin than the challah or the trumah. And as such, all of the mixture must be treated as the trimmer or the challah. Out of doubt, because you're not sure which part of the mixture is the challah or trimmer, or because anyway it's all been mixed together. Now we learned in the first peric that a maduma is exempt from a challah. So let's say the maduma was trimmer dough mixed with chulin dough. So since we treat the entire mixture as trimmer, just like trimmer is exempt from challah, so too this entire mixture is exempt from challah. So the Mishnah says, If her dough became a maduma, so a little bit of trimmer fell into the dough, let's say, and it's occurred before she kneaded the dough properly, which means that before the obligation set in, it was a maduma, so therefore Petura shall be exempt from separating Chalos since when the obligation set in, it was already a maduma. Shamaduma Pato, because a maduma is exempt from Chala, as we learned in the first peric. However, Misha Gilgala, if it only became a maduma after she kneaded the dough, then even if she has not yet separated the Chala, since at the time that the obligation set in, it wasn't a maduma, so it became obligated, so just because it becomes a maduma later on, that can't remove an obligation of Chala. It can stop an obligation coming, but if it already became obligated and then it became maduma, it remains obligated, so chayeves it is obligated in chala. 
Now there are two reasons why one cannot allow challah to become Tomei. The first reason is because the Torah says you've got to guard the truma, and of course challah has the same status as truma. But the second reason is that you can't cause a loss to the Kohen. And by making it Tomei, you're causing him to have to burn it. And although he is allowed to benefit from the burning, that's definitely a lower and smaller benefit than had he been able to eat it. Now the mission says what happens if Nolad lost fake Tumah at Shalei Gilgalah. A doubtful Tumah arose before she kneaded the dough. Kneaded with a K. So we're not sure whether the dough is Tomei or not. The question is, can she allow the, to- the dough to now become definitely Tomei? So if we go through both of the reasons, we'll figure out whether they apply here. So the first reason was that the Torah says you've got to guard the trimmer, and you've got to guard the challah, and that also applies to dough which is obligated in challah. However, this dough is not yet obligated in challah, because it hasn't yet been needed. And as a result, you are not obligated to guard the challah from becoming Tomei, since the challah, the whole concept of challah doesn't yet exist, since it's not yet obligated. Now what about causing a loss to the Kohen? So this would apply even before it becomes obligated in challah. However, in this case, it's already doubtfully Tomei. There's already a possibility that it's Tomei, we don't know. Now, if a Kohen receives challah, which is possibly Tomei, he's not allowed to eat it. And the truth is, he can't even burn it either, because it might be pure. So you'd actually be doing him a favor if you make it definitely Tomei, because then at least he can burn it. And so the Mishnah says to be Tumah, it can be processed in a state of Tumah, since neither of the two reasons apply over here. However, Misha Gilgalah, once it has been needed and the obligation of challah has set in, so now the first reason does apply. Now you do have to guard the challah, because the dough is already obligated in challah, and therefore, Tiyasa Batara, it has to be processed in a state of purity, and this is actually learned from the Apostle, because when the Torah says you've got to guard the truma, it uses the word trumaisai, in the plural, my trumais, and that implies that there are two different types of truma, and the same goes for challah, which need to be guarded. So the first type is truma, which is definitely tahar, and the second type is truma, which is possibly tahar, and that's our case over here. It's possibly tahar, possibly tomei, and so the obligation to guard it from tumah still applies, and therefore it has to be processed in a state of purity. Mishnah Gimel, the mission now provides another example of an act whose consequences depend on whether the act was done before the dough is needed, or after the dough is needed, and that act is Hikdishoy Sasa, if she designated her dough to the Bethamikdosh, to Hekdush. Now we've seen that Hekdush is exempt from all the tithes and all of Chala as well, but it all depends on whether it was Hekdush at the time that the obligation set in. So if she made it Hekdush at before she needed the dough or for data, but then she redeemed it, she transferred the Kedusha, the sanctity from the dough onto money, and she did that also before she needed the dough. So by the time she needs the dough, the dough is no longer Hekdush and therefore Chayeves, it will be obligated in Chala. Now what happens if she does it all after she needed the dough? So she needed the dough, it became obligated, and then Misha Gilgala, after she needed it, then she made it Hekdush, and redeemed it again, so then obviously Chayeves, she's certainly obligated, since the obligation set in, even before she made it Hekdush. And either way, she redeemed it afterwards, so it didn't end up as Hekdush anyway. But now comes the case where she'll be exempt. Take the Shatar Gilgala. If she made it Hector, she designated to the base Hamikdash before she needed it. The Gilgalah Hagizbar and the treasurer, the one who looks after all the finances of the base Hamikdash, he needed the dough. The Achekach Badaton, then she redeemed it again. She transferred the sanctity of Hekdash from the dough onto money, so the dough becomes regular unsanctified dough. Nevertheless, it remains Petura. The dough remains exempt from Chalash to Bishas Chivasa Haisa Petura. Because at the time that the obligation set in, she was exempt from separating Chala. 
because it belonged to Hekdush. So even if Yeshua redeems it later on, the produce remains exempt.